Girlfriends, episode number 22, Manage Your Family's Screen Time. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm recording this on Monday, Memorial Day, which is terribly rainy here in New Hampshire. I'm recording it from inside our car in the driveway, which smells a little funky because we went on a family road trip, at least half of us, uh, this past weekend. We went down to Long Island, and we saw the Blue Angels on Jones Beach, which was tons of fun. On Saturday, we met my sister and her family there. Then we spent the night in Connecticut and drove back home yesterday. It was great weather. I mean, perfect weather. And my family really loves a beach trip, and this was the first time we were going to the beach this summer. But this did not feel like a beach trip. I don't know if you're familiar with Jones Beach. It's a beautiful beach. My husband and I spent um, a good amount of time there over the past few years. But on this particular Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, when the Blue Angels were there and there's an entire air show, it was a mob. Like, you couldn't even see the water. You couldn't even see the sand. You couldn't even find a square to put your little chair down in. It was crazy. So... It didn't feel like a nice, uh, beautiful connection with nature, like I like my beach trips to be, but it did feel like family bonding, and I got to talk with my sister for a while, and the kids played in the waves once we finally could get down to the ocean. So it was all very worthwhile, just I don't think that counts as beach trip yet for this summer, but it was a great trip, and we had fun. So this week, we're talking about managing your family's screen time, and this is something I think all of us struggle with. Everyone who's a mom, or maybe you're an aunt, or maybe you're a big sister, or, you know, there's always something in our lives, someone in our lives who needs this kind of monitoring, even if it's ourselves. How do you manage your screen time? So, you know, and of course, by screen time, I mean all the things, all the things, phones and iPods and cameras and music videos and YouTube and movies and music and all these things, so many different things. I mean, my kids alone, and, you know, we have made a concerted effort to control the number of screens coming into our home. And yet my kids have so many. There are so many screens. I don't even want to count the screens in my house, you know, that there's always, they're always able to find access to something else. Years ago, when, um, you know, people were first starting to use iPods and, you know, it was like this whole new thing. And I was really excited about it. I, I, you know, I asked for an iPod for Christmas and I was so thrilled to get one. And, but then the iPod touches came and I wasn't quite keeping up, you know, and my mom, this is ironic. My mom was keeping up. She always had the latest device and she had an iPod touch that she had upgraded. And so she had the old one. And one day when she was over the house, she just offered it to my oldest son, Eamon, who of course accepted it in a moment. And my first thought was only just, oh, isn't that nice? Now he has an iPod touch, you know, but um, whoa, I didn't realize exactly all that that could do. And I remembered like two days later, I woke up in the middle of the night and was like, oh my gosh, my son has the internet in his pocket 
unfiltered. <laughs> and I went straight to his room and he didn't have it in his bed. Thank goodness. But I was like, where is it? I'm taking it. Tomorrow I'm going to figure out what, what you can do with this and how I can control it and all that. So, you know, when we're talking about controlling screen time, it's not, I always tell people because this is my own experience. You never can really control it all. I mean, yes, you could lock your kids in the house. You could have zero screens come into your home. Yes, you can do that. But I believe we're called to live in the culture, you know, um, regardless of your faith background, that we all are, in call, are called to engage the culture. And you don't do that by locking yourself up in your home. Yes, there's a lot of bad stuff. And yes, there are certain ages at which um, it's very appropriate to severely limit what kind of contact they're going to have with various kinds of content. But I believe that we're all in call to engage the culture and teach our children to do the same. And you don't do that by locking yourself up in your house. You do that by learning about the culture at an appropriate level and helping your children to learn about the culture at an age-appropriate level and understanding what is popular in our culture, the reasons for which it's popular. Being able to engage on that level, I think, is such an important part of our Christian calling to be a part of the world and yet not to be worldly. So that's what we're called to do. And managing your screen time is one of the ways you can do it. Managing your children's screen time is one of the ways you can do it. We never really can control it all, though. I think um, that you're going to make mistakes. I certainly have. And, um, you know, part of this is just learning how to deal with those kinds of failures, you know, making them moments in which you can teach your children about the dangers of some of the things in our culture, the dangers of some of the things in our media, the the danger in things that our culture is going to tell them are good for them, and the ways in which those things fall short. So, Turning those failures into into life lessons, I think, is really important because it really is inevitable that we're going to fail at this in some way. We're not we're not perfect. We're and no software is perfect. So you know, first of all, talking about screen time, let's talk about the time. You know, regardless of content, we're talking about all that dangerous content. Well, what about the danger of just sitting on your butt staring at a screen for hours on end? That's unhealthy, and we all know it. And yet, the temptation is always there, even for ourselves, to default to that kind of passive entertainment, that passive browsing through Facebook or Instagram or whatever you like to do. For our kids, you know, there's a very much, um, I've experienced with my own kids, some of them have different personalities that are much more susceptible to, like, almost an addiction, like a very strong attachment to digital content, you know, and and boys especially, I'm sorry to say. Well, the girls, it would be social media probably more so, but for boys... It's those video games. And with my boys, it's been kind of a phase that they go through with regard to being super attached to playing video games. My two oldest boys are uh, 17 and almost 20 now. And, you know, they can play and they can enjoy it and they can even play excessively on any given day. But it's not the same level of intensity about the games as my younger boys seem to have. When my younger boys start playing, sometimes they'll get super, super I don't even want to say engaged because that sounds healthy. I don't know what it is, but they are so involved in the game that it very easily lends itself to anger. It lends itself to fighting, that they'll fight me when I try to tell them to turn it off. And that's when I'm like, this is not healthy. This is not a good thing. This is not a positive part of our family life. So that's where um, I find that I really need to control with them. So really just controlling the time as far as your own kids you know, it's going to vary by family. It's going to vary by kid what they can handle. 
I used to um, give each kid way back in the olden days when we had a dial-up internet connection. Imagine that. Um, they would love to play different games on online and, you know, do different things like email with cousins and that sort of thing, which I thought was fine in moderation. And so way back then I had uh, these little timers and I would set a timer next to them while they're, they're on the computer. And that worked pretty well for controlling the amount of time. But then we only had one computer. And it was in a central location. So now we've got all these things in their pockets and, you know, different gaming devices that they can take anywhere and iPads and whatever. So, you know, that didn't tend to work so well with that. Um, but I know some parents, and I have not done this, but I know some parents change their Wi-Fi password every day and they only give it out when um, chores have been done or whatever, whenever certain requirements have been met, um, whether it's getting homework done or getting chores done. Other parents I know don't let their kids go on devices during the school week at all. And uh, But of course, now we're talking about summer when there's more downtime and more opportunity to use and abuse these kinds of things. So you might try something, you know, with controlling the Wi-Fi. That's kind of a nice thing if you have Wi-Fi in your house that you can control it that way. You can set limits on it. I know there are all these different um, ways of doing that. But the easiest one would be just to change the password daily and give it out um, when you think they've earned it or when you think it's appropriate for them to be using the internet. Now, of course, that requires time and energy on your part. And that is where I find I have my downfall is it's so hard to control everybody's screen time. It's so hard. It's so challenging. And trying to be fair to everybody because one kid might be deserving of some time on the computer or time with video games. Another kid might not have earned that privilege yet. And yet if you allow kid number one, kid number two is going to be sitting there staring at over his shoulder watching the game. Um, and in, and also I find that as a mom, sometimes it becomes sort of a an easy way out for me that I'm just trying to get something done. They're begging, they're nagging, nagging, nagging. They want to do, you know, games or whatever. And I'll just give into it because it's the easiest thing to do. They'll be out of my hair. But I always, always, always regret that. <laughs> I always regret not thoughtfully controlling their screen time because it turns into, like I mentioned before, fights. It turns into that kind of zombie kids who are in a terrible mood when they, they get off the computer or off the video games. Have you experienced that? For me, that's a real warning sign. Like this is an unbalanced situation. They You turn it off and they're just super cranky and angry at the world without even an explanation for it. So anyway, controlling their time is important. Years ago, my brilliant older sister recommended to me, and I used this for a good long while. I've kind of fallen out of the habit of it, though, where kids could earn their screen time by reading aloud books to their younger siblings. It was fantastic because it was at the, I was at a point in my parenting where, you know, with our oldest four kids, we read to them out loud constantly. I mean, Oh my gosh, the big stacks of books that we would read before bed every night was this giant read aloud routine, which I loved. And of course, they loved it. I still would love to be able to doing that, be able to do that every night, but I certainly can't. It's just, it's become impossible to have that kind of time devoted to reading aloud. And I was at the point in my parenting where I was just kind of making that transition. Like I had eight kids and it was, you know, the little guys and the big guys and um, just really hard to manage everything. And while we still would read aloud, that's always been important to me, we were doing much less of it, and I was really struggling with that. And that was when one of my sisters, my older sister, recommended to me, 
to have the kids read aloud to the younger kids. My older ones were very capable of reading aloud. It was very good for them to practice those reading skills in that way. And they would love to do it if they knew they were earning screen time. I think they would love to do it anyway. It's just kind of fun. But this way I could feel good about it. So read to your younger sibling for 30 minutes, you get 30 minutes on the computer. Read to your younger sibling for an hour, you get an hour on your video games, that kind of thing. It could be, you know, minute for minute like that. I thought that was genius, and I might use it in some way this summer. I'm still kind of working out what our rules are going to be for this summer. But what I found is, you know, to avoid that that laziness in myself where I kind of default to, okay, you can play, you know, whatever, just stop bothering me, is... I've set a very general limit for the for this springtime um, when it was starting to be nicer outside and the kids would finish their schoolwork and be asking for video games or asking to get on the iPad or computers that I set up a rule that was just very general and very easily enforced that was no screens until the sun goes down. Before that, you're expected to entertain yourself in the great outdoors <laughs> because the weather was good and I've even enforced it on rainy days. Because it just that to me has been working most recently because I'm I'm busy and I'm distracted and the temptation for me is always going to be to say yes just to get them to stop bothering me. This way, it's a very simple answer. You know, is the sun still up? Then no, you may not do that. Find some other way to entertain yourself. And that's been working. That's been working great. In fact, I think I'm going to definitely keep that rule for the entire summer, whatever other rules or limits I might set on their screen time in the coming months. Okay, so that's just about controlling the time that our children and ourselves are going to spend on screens. We haven't even yet talked about controlling the content that they'll be engaging in on these various screens. So, you know, people ask me a lot about if I use a certain kind of internet filter, um, what software I might recommend. And I do recommend one. I recommend Safe Eyes. It's something I've used for years. And it's recommended by Dave Ramsey. It's a Christian company. Great people, great customer service. And I found it such a useful tool for me. I tried Covenant Eyes, I think that was the name of it, for a little while. And I never really understood the way that that was set up. It wasn't, it, it just wasn't um, intuitive to me. But Safe Eyes was pretty easy to set up in the times when I've struggled. Their customer service has been great. You can set up accounts and have them um, log into the different accounts on multiple devices in your home. I can't remember what the basic package is, like four different devices, but you can add to that and you can have an unlimited number of members of your household, each of whom has their own login. This does get complicated when it's times many children, but I found that it was very much worth it um, because then you can individualize the different accounts. So you have, um, you know, a 12-year-old who can handle content that maybe you don't want your six-year-old um, having access to. And eventually, you know, if you have older kids, you might have a 19-year-old in your house that you don't necessarily want to be giving unfiltered access to the internet, um, even knowing that they can go out in the world and, and find it if they, they want it, if, they, if they're seeking that out. But hopefully at that point, you've kind of helped them, walked them through this process of filtering the content that you have access to, um, deciding and discerning what kind of media you're going to consume in your household and how to make those kinds of choices so that they're ready for that by the time they get there. That's part of the reason why I'm a big advocate of not locking your kids up in a closet, however tempting that is at certain times, and allowing them to have access to some of the media at age-appropriate levels and kind of engaging in conversation with them along the way because the alternative is 
They have no access or extremely limited access to the media until the point when they're 18 and um, maybe they're moving out, maybe they're starting a job, maybe they're going to college, and you're not going to be there to hold their hand as they very first experience the internet or movies or whatever it is that you're sheltering them from. I think it's really important to help them through that process um, when they're young and they're still under your roof and you're able to do it. So, you know, having a content filter like SafeEyes, you can set different limits for different kids. You can um, control the amount of time that they're on a particular screen. So you can make it so that their login only works for 30 minutes a day or for 60 minutes a day. Um, and you can allow websites in particular, you can um, allow or block websites or content by category. It's really very flexible. Again, not perfect. <laughs> but one of the things that I appreciate about this particular software is that you have the option of having it send you a daily report of what your kid has been doing online. Now, it's not line by line, detail by detail, but you can see what their searches are. You can see what time of day they're most often using the internet. You can uh, see which websites they visited, which websites needed to be blocked during their session. So you you get a little heads up if your kid is trying to access something that's been forbidden. So, you know, th I find that it's very useful um, in this way. Have my kids worked around it sometimes? Absolutely. And this is part of why I said at the beginning, you're going to you're going to mess up. It's, there's no perfect system. You, you know, your kids will at some point make mistakes with or without you enabling them along the way. And we, the important thing is to to, you know, as sad as that is, you know, I've at times had my heart broken over the things that um, my kids have seen or witnessed, whether it was through their own fault or not. And that's the opportunity to have conversations about these things. However terrifying that is to you as a parent, I know when I was a young parent, that was the most paralyzing fear that imagining one of my kids being exposed to something terrible on the internet. And I'm not saying every kid is going to be exposed, but I am saying it's out there and your your family, even if you're being super cautious and super careful, is going to bump into it. It's it's that insidious. And um, unfortunately, that's the world in which we live. So I, I really encourage you to not get discouraged if if you mess up, if your kids mess up, if your family experiences a failure in this way, to regroup, turn it into a, a life lesson, something that you're going to talk about together. Make it an opportunity, a teaching moment. So SafeEyes, I really recommend. Um, I really like that it's individualized and that it has daily reports. If you like another kind of software that you use for your particular filter, let me know. I'd love to be able to share different resources with people. Another way of filtering and monitoring the content um, is by checking out music and movies before you allow your kids access to them. Now, most parents have a way that they kind of vet movies to decide if their kids can see it or not. And, you know, I really encourage you to, to recognize that families have different standards when it comes to these things. I, I know some families that are much more conservative in their movie choices than we are. I know some families that are much more liberal in their movie choices than we are. That's okay. It's your job as a parent to decide what's best for your family, set the kinds of limits you think your children need on an individual basis or as a whole. What what You decide what your family's values are going to be, what your family's restrictions and standards are going to be with regard to television and movies and music. So, But you need the information to be able to do that. One website that I really recommend and I really like is kidsinmind.com. It's kids-in-mind.com. 
I don't, I'm not even sure who the group is that puts it out. I think it's a, a faith-based group of some kind, a Christian group. And But I've used it so much over the years. Um, it doesn't go all the way back, and it doesn't have a huge archive of older movies. Sometimes my kids want to watch older movies. And I, some of those movies from the 80s that were rated PG-13, oh my goodness, they would not be rated PG-13 today. So anyway, if... If all else fails, you can always watch the movie yourself first to determine if it's okay for your kids. But I really like Kids in Mind because it goes into extreme detail. It has it broken up into categories of, you know, violence, language, sexuality, nudity, uh, drug situations. It's got it all broken up by category and line by line. I mean, God bless these people for watching these movies and paying attention to all the gross, terrible things in them because they have them all written out there line by line. And um, one thing that's really funny is that when you look at a movie, I mean, funny, sad too, when you look at a movie in that way where every bad or negative or potential bad influence thing is written out line by line, it's overwhelming. And you can say, oh my gosh, I would I would never, you know, of course, we're not going to watch this movie. It has all these things in it. And yet sometimes I have experienced watching a movie and thinking it's actually pretty okay for my kids to handle. And then I'll go look it up on Kids in Mind and think, whoa, if I read this first, I would have said no way. It's just because when you see things spelled out in that way, it emphasizes them sometimes in a way more than it's emphasized in the movie. It can be a very passing scene and yet this um, this website, Kids in Mind, will write out a whole line about it, which is great. That's what I appreciate is that level of detail, that much paying attention. Because you know what? If you're going to err here, err on the side of saying no to a movie that might be okay. <laughs> you know, that's that's okay. Do it that way. Because, you know, and I find that this website allows me to do that, that um, sometimes it'll be written out and I'm not so sure because I'm not sure you know, this this situation that's described here um, or this kind of language, how exactly it's used in the movie. And you really get that from the context. So when all else fails, you can watch the movie yourself to decide. I really do recommend doing that. Really do recommend checking out movies on websites, talking to your, your preteens and your teens before they engage in this media, because it's a powerful educator of our children. It's a powerful influence with regard to what their values are going to be. They're picking up these cues from the culture in movies, in television, in music. And those are the things that are going to be set up against the kinds of values you're talking to them about, you're trying to instill in them. They're making decisions at that very young age. And so it really is important to be careful what kinds of cultural influences you're going to allow them to experience at that young and vulnerable age. Now, with regard to music... I really recommend that you look up lyrics and that when when you do, you look up YouTube videos of the artist, look up who the artist is all about, what they are, what they do, what they stand for. Not that they have to be perfect Catholic family men and women before you're going to listen to their music, but it gives you an idea of what their values are and those things are going to be translated. They're going to be in their music. Again, you're not going to be able to do this perfectly. Think about how much of a full-time job this is times multiple children. Forget about it. So be reasonable in what you're doing, but set limits and do make sure your kids know. Like, you know, when my oldest kids were first listening to music and they had iPods and whatnot, I let them know that I was going to have access to their iPods. I was going to be 
occasionally listening to whatever it is. And I would, I would, you know, if I saw it in their room or whatever, just turn it on for a second, see what, what song it's on, see if I recognize it. Um, and I did have them and my, my younger kids do this now, ask for permission to put certain songs on their iPods. And I would look them up if I wasn't familiar with them. Sometimes the kids themselves don't even know what that content is and the ways in which it can be negative. It can be a terrible influence, you know, especially sexually inside of song lyrics. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sometimes it's actually so hilariously stupid how overtly sexual songs are. Um, but other times it's it's more subtle than that. It's communicating a value about a relationship. And maybe your kids aren't even hearing those lyrics. But I think it's important to know what it is that that's going inside of their heads, what's filling their young hearts and minds and shaping their values. So, again, you're not going to be able to do this perfectly. It's It's more than a full-time job. And the world is so so pervasive. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a strong influence that I, you know, I applaud parents who put the effort in to control it, to filter it, to talk with their kids about it. You know, ultimately saying that you're going to mess up and boy, I mean, okay, first of all, funny story about a way that I messed up <laughs> was um, years ago, my oldest daughter, Katery, was really interested in Usher. She'd die if I shared this now because Usher is so not cool. But anyway, uh, she she came and asked for putting one of his songs on her iPod. And I didn't know who this was. I'd heard of him, but I didn't know much about him. So I asked for the name of the song. And then I, I looked up the song on one of those lyrics websites and then as I'm going through the lyrics, I pulled up the YouTube video so that it could be playing along and I could see what he looks like and what kinds of images are in his video and go along through the song that way. And I was looking at the lyrics while it's playing. And while I'm doing this, you know, to see if this was a, a decent song for my, you know, like 14, 15 year old daughter, uh, my youngest child, <laughs> Daniel, who was like three or four at the time, comes dancing into the room upon hearing this Usher song and dances right up to me singing every word. He knew every word of that song. And, you know, it was so shocking to me that here I am trying to see if this is decent for my oldest daughter and my little guy, who I still don't know exactly how he had heard that song. Maybe it was through a TV show. Maybe it was even in a commercial. I don't know. But it was a real teaching moment for me to say, okay, here I am doing all the things, doing all the right things in this situation, putting in that time and effort to decide if this song is decent for my 14-year-old daughter's iPod. And yet here's my little guy, and he's already been influenced by it. He's already been exposed to it so much that you know, children are sponges. It's written on his heart. It's written in his mind. He knows those words and he's spitting them back out at me. Thanks be to God, it was an okay song. <laughs> it could have been so much worse. But that, you know, it was a real eye-opening moment for me that to kind of let go of that sense of control, because that's what becomes tempting with all this filtering and software and time limits and blah, blah, blah to think we're actually perfectly in control. And it's so important that even if you don't have a particular incident where you know your child has been exposed to something that they shouldn't have or they've gone online and, and seen things that they shouldn't have, that, you know, even if you don't know that that's going on, we need to be having conversations with our kids with the understanding that at some point they're going to experience it on some level to prepare them for that, to teach them not just here are these forbidden things, these things that the world loves that we must reject. 
not setting it up like that. But here are the things that the world is attracted to. And here are the reasons why inside of your heart, you might also be attracted to those things. Here's what God gave you those desires for. Here's what you're made for. Here's what you're built for. You know, having those conversations. And that's where I find theology of the body and can be a really useful tool. If you're not familiar with it, you can get a lot of great resources from Ascension Press. Just familiarize yourself a little bit with that language from John Paul II about human sexuality, about human longings and desires and what we're made for, why we find these things attractive, why the world twists it and gets it wrong. And I find that it's really helpful to have that background, have those tools ready for having these conversations with our kids about what our values are, what our church teaches, and not just what the rules are, but the why, the why this is so precious and important and must be protected. Okay, apparently I like to talk about screen time. Because we're 28 minutes into this podcast. I didn't know I quite had that much to say. And I haven't even gotten to my last point, which is what about you? What are you doing How are you discerning the media that you're going to consume and how much of your time this coming summer is going to be spent on screens that we need to have these conversations with our kids, with our spouses, um, with all the young people in your life. I think God puts young people in your life for a reason. You may not be married. You may not have kids, but you're going to have young people in your life that you can influence, that you can talk to about these media influences God made you a part of their life for a reason. So I really want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to think about that. But with regard to yourself, how do you plan to control social media this summer? I don't have a specific plan for myself yet, but I do plan to have a plan. Does that sound really weak? Yeah, I think it does. But I've been noticing, and you know, this Lent I shared with you that I I took social media apps off of my phone and um, took games off of my phone and kind of... Then all of a sudden, my phone became a work tool, stuff that I would, you know, receive work email on and access work things with. And it became very, very much less tempting to me during those months that I had those apps off of there. Um, I've since put them back on. And something that I've noticed is that if I'm going to spend some time with my kids outside, spend some time with my husband in the evening, that I will make that effort to put my phone away. You know, don't have it right in your pocket. Don't have it right at arm's reach because you're going to reflexively be reaching for it. I mean, well, I know I would be. I mean, we have these bad habits. Maybe you're much better about it than I am. But so if you're you're actively engaging in, you know, some family activity, there there are times when, you know, we'll go to go out to lunch or go do something outdoors together as a family. I'll leave my phone in the car. And yeah, there's always that temptation like, oh, but I'm going to want to take a picture. You know, (laughs) you have enough pictures. Just enjoy the activity. Enjoy that moment. Enjoy what you're doing together as a family. If you're going to spend an evening time with your husband, you know, even if it's engaging in media, watching a movie, put your phone away. Put your phone away before you do that and just really fully be present to your husband there. And, you know, we're not going to be perfect at it. It's okay that, you know, sometimes we enjoy social media. It's okay to have those kinds of things that you enjoy in your life. But they're they're so powerful, I think. They're so attractive and so powerful to us in a way that pulls us away from ourselves and pulls us away from our relationships that can really hurt us, that it really is important to set those kinds of limits. So let me know what you're doing this summer. I want to know what your plans are for 
controlling your kids' screen times. Let me know the ways in which you've messed up. It will make me feel better. (laughs) Let me know what software you use that you like, because this is a perennial conversation. I think we're only just even beginning to experience the, the level to which outside media can influence our families and the different opportunities we have to control that, but also to have important, powerful conversations about our values, what they are and why they are that way. So let me know how you're doing. Let me know your thoughts and ideas. How are you controlling screen time for your kids and for yourself this summer? Send me an email at danielle at daniellebean.com. Even better, give me voice feedback. Go to daniellebean.com. Click that little tab that says leave voice feedback. You'll have I believe it's 90 seconds on there. If you want more time, send me a message on Voxer, which is a great little app for sending voice messages to one another. You can find the link to connect with me on Voxer on the show notes for this episode number 22 on daniellebean.com. Hey, Girlfriends listeners, I'd like to tell you about a new way that you can help support production of this podcast. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, is a website that enables you to support projects like artwork, music, and podcasts like this. When you create an account at Patreon, you'll have the option to pledge your support for the Girlfriends podcast at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. You can pledge as little as a dollar per show, and you can set a monthly limit so it never costs more than you're expecting. Your pledge of support not only makes it possible for me to continue to produce this podcast and make it available for free for all, but it can also earn you bonus benefits, including access to bonus content. Depending on your level of support, you can receive thank you bonuses like access to monthly Google Hangouts, a personal Skype call with me, and a free signed copy of my book. Go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends to find out all the details about this simple way you can help support the Girlfriends podcast and keep it available for everyone. Your pledge of support means so much. Thank you. Hey, girlfriends. Who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. This week, I'm sharing a recent conversation that I had with Kate Wicker, who is a mom and a blogger and an author and a speaker. And even more importantly than that, she's my friend. I love Kate. I think you're going to really enjoy everything that she has to share. She is so real and funny. And she tends to just hit on those points that challenge us more than other people tend to do, because she's she knows and she's been there herself. Take a listen to our conversation. I am so happy to be welcoming someone near and dear to my heart on the show today. My good friend Kate Wicker is here with us. Kate is so many things, but first and foremost, she is my dear friend, and she has professional credentials as well. She's a wife, a mom of four active spunky kids, speaker, and author of Weightless, Making Peace with Your Body. She's working on her second book on embracing imperfect motherhood, which Ave Maria Press will publish in 2017. To keep up to date with her work and life, visit katewicker.com. But right now, we've got Kate right here with us on Girlfriends. Welcome, Kate. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Like I said, you're my friend. We go way back to faith and family days, and I've followed your life and your family online, and, and we've had the pleasure of meeting in person a couple of times. So I'm just a big fan of Kate Wicker, so I'm so excited that you're here to, to share you with all of my girlfriends. 
And I know I was thinking about it. I think I met you when my first was just, I don't know, a little over a year old and she's almost 12 now. So it's Whoa. been a long time. <laughs> yeah, we mu- we're not getting old though. It's just the <laughs> no, kids. Just it's- the kids. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. I got my age today. I had to fill it out somewhere and I was like, how old am I? I couldn't remember, <laughs> which is really bad. <laughs> I know. Well, I do, I do that too. But then when I do the math, I'm because I'll subtract my birthday from exactly. the year and then I'm like, woo, okay, glad I don't I do that too often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, great. I'm glad you're joining us. And I'm, you know, just um, maybe you just want to let us know a little bit about that book that you teased us with in your bio before we get started with the questions. What What is that book that you're working on? Sure. Well, I have always just felt um, a, a call to write a book. Well, not always. I shouldn't say that because when I first became a mom, I was so fixated on being the perfect mom. And I realized that some of the things that I wrote about in Waitlist, like that I my perfectionism that kind of manifested in an eating disorder, all of a sudden it was manifesting in motherhood. And I was just trying so hard and wearing my out and sort of a control freak mother, really. Mm -hmm. And I realized (laughs) that I needed to let go and that my children and I learn the most during those imperfect moments. And that's where grace can really come in. So I really wanted to take an authentic look at motherhood and really talk about how it's so important for us to be authentic, not compare ourselves to others, you know, Mm -hmm. open ourselves to God's grace and just kind of laugh sometimes when it gets really tough. So I'm trying to take a little bit of a humorous tone. Um, I'd love to be the the next Catholic Jen hat maker, (laughs) uh, you know, just be sort of real and and, Mm -hmm. and funny and just meet people where they're at. Love it. I can't wait to read that. And I know from your book, Waitlist, and from all that you share on your blog, how how very humbly and vulnerably you share about your, your own personal struggles, but in a way that's really encouraging and uplifting to other people who share those same struggles. I hope that the Holy Spirit, that's what I'm going for as I'm squeezing in. As you know, the the writing life of a mother can be tricky sometimes. It can. You've got to look for those little spaces. I know. And sometimes you've got to force those spaces to appear in your life. And uh, I I know that all too well, but we're grateful for you doing it because I think people really are blessed by all that you share. Thank you. So we're going to move on to the regular questions that I ask of everybody. And this is so fun because I love hearing the diversity of answers. You never know what you're going to hear here. And I always like to think that the Holy Spirit's alive and well here at Girlfriends because asking the same questions, I think such, such beautiful things come out from what all the different women share. So I'm looking forward to what you're going to share with us today, Kate. Can you tell us first of all about a time when you really felt like you triumphed? When did you first ever feel a sense of achievement with your work or in your personal life? Well, obviously, and this is a little cliche, but my children and my marriage, you know, those are two really great accomplishments to me. Mm -hmm. But it's funny, as I was reflecting upon this, I realized that a lot of my triumphs have uh, ironically been found in my failures Mm -hmm. because I've, I've come to peace that way. Uh, for instance, I, I was a very avid runner when I was younger and then I had babies and took a little time off and then I started running again and I really was starting, there's a theme in my life, starting to get a little obsessive about it. (laughs) And and I um, tore my, I had a partial tear of my high hamstring and it, I mean, it devastated me because that had been my outlet. But then it, I realized that in that quote unquote failure, I made peace again with my body and what it could do for me aging and realized that I don't have to prove myself. Running should be, or anything in life should be, it's not a proving ground. I tend to Mm -hmm. turn everything into proving grounds rather than a playground. You know, running was supposed to be an outlet. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that 
it, it took about two years. I still have um, some difficulties with it from time to time, but sure. it's been such a blessing because it's really reminded me that my life and everyone's life, we, we, we are such a culture that's fixated on self-improvement that we spend so much time striving that we lose just being ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that God just wants us to give us give our best, and our best doesn't mean maniacally like running through injuries or whatever. What? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that, and then the other thing that I, that really struck me with this question is I've really I recently was asked to do something um, a volunteer effort that would be something I would love to do and something that I was would use my talents. But I knew when they asked me in my heart, I wanted to say yes so badly, and I did the thing that my husband has told me to do. He says, look at the people in the eye and say, I need to consult with my husband first because he knows that <laughs> if I don't say that, I'll say Good yes guy. Me, and then I'll be overwhelmed. And, ah. and it really took a lot of discernment and prayer, but I realized in saying no, I used to always think if I said no to anything, then again, that was a failure. But it's really a triumph because when you when you truly practice discernment, even if you're saying no to another good thing, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's tricky is most of the time as Catholics, hopefully we're discerning between, we're not discerning between something horrible and something good. We're, right. they're, too, they're too good and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that there's always a yes behind every no I say, I, whether it's a yes to my sanity, a yes to my family, a yes to cultivating a more rich, you know, a richer prayer life because sure. I wouldn't have time. And so it was a real epiphany for me. It was hard to say no to this person, but I knew that I was saying yes to a lot of other things and that as women, we can't do it all at the same time. It doesn't mean that I won't be able to do something like this later on in life, but the timing was just not right right now. So those two triumphs, just accepting my self-limitations and just Mm -hmm. trying to be my best without becoming obsessed and just enjoying life and not making everything um, a proving ground. And then Mm -hmm. also being able to say no sometimes, knowing that there is a positive reason I'm saying no. Right. Yeah. I love that you shared both of those because I think that's something we all relate to. Um, That idea, and I've never heard that before, proving ground versus a playground, but such a good way of looking at running or whatever it is that you're using as an outlet that some of us have the tendency to flip into a competitive kind of thing or so even if we're just competing with ourselves in a way that's in a way that's really not healthy I know I don't think I ever got quite as psycho as you did Kate but (laughs) I know I've dabbled in the psycho with regard to my running and not like you know I remember at one point I was so upset about there was this race that I was running and I just I really wanted to just get my best my personal best time I wasn't racing against any person you know I didn't care but and it was so important to me to get that personal time and I was so angry because at the beginning of the race there were these people like you know it was a fun like 10k or whatever and people were like you know holding balloons and like you know pushing people in strollers and they were in my way darn it and I was like I was so mad and I remember telling my husband about it. I was just so upset afterwards because it, you know, ruined my time by probably a good two minutes just running around the people dressed up in costumes or whatever. And and I remember telling Dan I was just livid and he was like, you know, this wasn't like the Olympic trials or something. Like my my sweet girls, we ran last year a five K for her school for their school and there's a picture of me in the yearbook. It's so embarrassing, like looking at my Garmin, like 
And my, my oldest is like, she is cut from a different cloth than I am. And I'm so glad she's like so laid back, but she's very athletic, but every, she just finds joy in everything and very oh. much an optimist. And she was so funny. Cause she said, yeah, I'll never forget. You're like, okay, bye kids. I'm not running with you. <laughs> I got to go win this thing. <laughs> and then Malin, she said, I saw you up ahead and like, you, I could tell you were getting annoyed with the, all the kids in front of you. You're the only mom that would like plow down the kids for the charity run for the school. Like, I did not plow the children down. I waited for them. But, but I was <laughs> mad. Giving, yeah, it was annoying. <laughs> so true. Me a hard time. <laughs> but it, there's truth there. And I love that, you know, it sounds like your husband and your girls are very helpful, a very helpful they balance are. to you. And we all need that. She just always kind of puts me in my place and in a very affectionate, respectful way. But (laughs) sure. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I absolutely love it. And then about saying no, I mean, we did a whole podcast about saying no. And it was very much along those same lines. And I love what you shared about when you're saying no, you're saying yes to something else Mm -hmm. that's good. And that's what we need to remember. And and I can remember times with me, and I maybe I've shared this with you before, where I said no to something that was like a professional opportunity that sounded so awesome and I'll never get another chance like this and it just killed me to say no and yet what great fruit came out of that no you know both both in what I focused on instead and then future opportunities like we we just we just don't see the big picture all the time we can only see the next five minutes and it feels terrible sometimes to miss an opportunity but so important to remember the really good things that come when we discern in that careful way talking with your husband, such an important, important element of that. Yeah, he's very good. He's better at, he can tell when I'm on the verge of burnout or what, you know, mm-hmm. he can, I think it's a really good um, advice to those who are married just to take a pause and say, you know what, let me talk to my husband first. Cause that kind of gets you off the hook. And Dave always says, just blame me. I know. <laughs> He doesn't care. He doesn't care. I'm the one who's worried about what people think. He doesn't. I know. That's great. Oh, love Dave. What a good guy. What a good guy for you. God knows what he's doing sometimes, doesn't he? All right. We're going to move on. And you've kind of shared a mistake, but maybe you have another one in particular you want to talk about, Kate, um, about a mistake you once made, whether it was in your work or in your personal life. And what did you learn from that mistake? Well, it was... It was actually a little while ago. This is, and of course, I've made many mistakes in my life, but this one just was sort of another, again, aha moment for me. Um, My Nana, who, um, she was my grandmother who passed away uh, two summers ago um, when she was 90, almost 92, she told me once that her son days, she called them Sunday Bloody Sunday because she wanted it to be perfect and get everyone to mass and you know, she had nine <laughs> children and, and she would always just lose it. And I just remember thinking that was so funny. But then there was one day where I was, I am, I've always been very punctual and I, my oldest again calls me the white rabbit. We're late, we're late, we're late, we're going to be late. <laughs> perfect. And, um, um, and so I was barking orders and yelling at everyone and trying to get them to, you know, wear their best clothes and blah, blah, blah. And we got in the car and I was all angry. And, and right. then it was wonderful because I got to mass and I just realized that relationships are more important than, I'm not saying we chronically should be late to mass, but right. I was so mean that morning. And I just realized that sometimes in my effort to be dependable and to be on time or or whatever, I'm forgetting about those beautiful relationships that are just that are right in front of me, right. and that I need to just sort of take a deep breath and just let go. And so our Sundays, I feel like ever since that have been a little more peaceful. Um, like you know, I've tried to just 
buffer a little extra time, but then also know that sometimes the unexpected happens and I can't just fall apart and yell. And I want my children to know that God is love. God isn't like what, again, my oldest daughter, she calls it tsunami instead of tsunami. When I <laughs> come into a room and I'm like, ah! Oh my gosh, she's hilarious. <laughs> she is hilarious. So anyway, so and try not to morph into tsunami and just um, take a deep breath and say, you know what? The important thing is that we're at, we're going as a family. We love each other and we're going to go and, get that grace and be filled up and we don't need a, a bloody Sunday every Sunday like my poor <laughs> Nana had. So, <laughs> And my dad, he has confirmed that. He said Nana was the most peaceful, like patient mom, except on Sunday and all the messes and all the kids bickering, all of a sudden it all got to her. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. I love yeah. that. And I think we can all relate to that. But <laughs> such an important reminder that relationships are more important than whatever that goal is, whether it's like being ready for company or you know, getting somewhere on time, that the relationships really are what our focus is supposed to be. And, and sometimes that really, like the contrast can really kind of jar you from, you know, being that tsunami as you're going out the door. And then like you, you walking into the church after you just screamed at everybody in the car and then smile at everybody. Oh, it's so sweet. Like, gosh, well, what a mess we are. (laughs) And I know I felt it before when the phone rings and I'm in the middle of like a tirade and then I'll pick it up and be like, hello, like so sweet, you know, oh, I'm just this sweet mom. So. It's, it's important to recognize that contrast. And, yeah. So um, you're, you're walking to your car. Like there, this has happened to me. I remember I was at the grocery store with all my kids over the summer and they were all like, I have a rule where they can, just, I found that this helps them to move along. They can all pick out one thing that they want to eat. And then once they picked it out, they can't say, oh, can we have this? Because I found that they all were asking constantly for things. Mm-hmm. So, um, but on this particular day, my rule was not working. They were wanting to trade what they first picked and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, ah. So we got into the car and we were walking to the car and my license plate. In Georgia, you have the option of having a choose life license plate that goes to oh, pro yeah, life. Yeah. And so I have my choose life license plate and I'm very mindful of that. I'm like, I have to look like I enjoy every moment of this. And so we got, <laughs> and then I got into the car and I was like, ah! <laughs> I had handled it really well until I got. (laughs) At least you made it. You made it to the car. (laughs) Swagger wagon lost all of its swag that moment. Oh um, my gosh! Yeah, so you know it is hard, and then I realized how ridiculous it is. Um, But you know, it, it is a constant struggle for us to keep that patience and just you know to try and teach our children that. that it is important to be dependable and all of those things, but also people always are the most important and just remembering how we treat them as we're trying to get them out of the house. And I find (laughs) that that's my, um, those are my meanest moments when I'm trying to get everybody out the door. It's a lot of pressure sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've definitely felt that too. Like those are the worst moments when you're trying to get everybody out the door or when company's about to arrive. Exactly. The worst. (laughs) (laughs) So great. I love that you shared that. It's very real. I think everybody can relate to that. Um, But we've got just enough time here to do your lightning round, Kate. This is exciting. We get 60 seconds where we just kind of ask you some real fast questions just for fun and kind of get to know you a little bit better. So if you're ready, we'll get started. I'm ready. All right. This is Kate Wicker's lightning round on the Girlfriends podcast. Ready, set, go. Kate, when you get a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? Uh, A nap. Ah, good. (laughs) What's your favorite TV show? Oh, gosh. Huh. 
don't watch much. TV. Oh, okay. Um, you can say favorite book then, you know. Okay, favorite book <laughs> that I've read recently. Um, I'm reading The Abundance of Catherine's, which mm-hmm. is interesting by John Green, and I'm nice. enjoying that right now. So. Okay, great. All right, you're a notorious perfectionist. What's one thing you're surprisingly bad at? Uh, ironing. Oh, good. Iron. That, that, you just grew a little closer to my heart. All right. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Twitter or Facebook? Uh, Facebook, I guess. <laughs> Probably Instagram if I could choose. Oh, yeah. I should put that one in there. All right. What's um, one thing that has surprised you most about becoming a mom? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we um, stumped Kate Wicker. Yeah, yes. I guess the double helix of how wonderful and how hard it is. Right. Because um, I, I think I went into it thinking I would enjoy every moment of it. <laughs> and, whoa. <laughs> I love that. Great. You survived. That's it for your lightning round. And I think we got to know a little bit something more, especially that you're more a books girl than a TV girl. So I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up that book. So thanks for sharing that. And before we have to say goodbye, Kate, maybe there's something you want to give a shout out to. I know we already mentioned your book. But what else is going on in your life? Um, nothing really. The book is the main, um, my work in progress right now. Uh, you recently really... redid your blog site, right? Yes, I did. I gave my website a whole uh, facelift. Um, and I'm doing, I am doing much more on Instagram these days than Facebook or Twitter. I just find that it's easier to put imperfect pictures up there. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoyed um, getting to know people on Instagram because I feel like Facebook, you get down a rabbit hole of information with this no. link and this link and, you know, it's just more of a time, um, uh, a black hole time sucker for me. But sure. yeah. So, Great. um, okay. Yeah. And you're Kate Wicker on Instagram. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We'll link that up in the show notes so people can check out your imperfect photos there. <laughs> And thanks so much for making the time, Kate. And thanks especially for being my real life good girlfriend. I'm so glad to have you in my life. It was so good to catch up. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. You too. See, I told you Kate was awesome. Kate the Great. We love you, Kate Wicker. So I'll have her all linked up in the show notes as well so you can check out everything that she's working on, everything she's doing, read the stuff that she shares online, follow her on social media, all that stuff. Now, I just want to share a little bit of feedback. Nobody sent me a voice message. Well, no, that's not true. Susan Bailey, are you out there? Are you listening? You sent me a voice message, but it got cut off like right in the middle of what you were saying. And I liked that you were sharing about um, using a low-carb diet. And so that would be helpful. <laughs> I think maybe it was on the voice recorder that you can get to SpeakPipe from DanielleBean.com that gives you a limit of just 90 seconds. So either send me another voicemail that way, keep it under 90 seconds, or break it up over a couple. I would really would love to be able to share what you sent for me, but I want it to be complete in the whole thought that you want to share. You can do that, or you can go to Voxer and connect with me there. I don't believe Voxer has a limit on voice messages. At least I haven't hit it yet. So um, that's another option for you, Susan, if you're listening and you want to try to resend that feedback. I would love to be able to share it on the show. I also heard from Catherine Spada, who sent an email this week just to encourage me. She's a newlywed and a new mom, and she uh, enjoys girlfriends, and she blogs at sacredsharingsforthesoul.blogspot.ca. So that means Catherine must be a Canadian. We love you guys. You're always welcome here at Girlfriends Canadians. Um, My own mom is French Canadian, so... 
you're one of the family around here. So thanks for sending that in, Catherine. And thanks to everybody who shares the episodes on social media. That's another way that you can support the podcast here. You can support me, of course. You heard that promo for Patreon earlier in the show by going to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. And that way you can pledge a dollar amount, financially support the show. It can be as little as a dollar per show. You won't even feel it. And yet it will be such a vote of confidence and support for me. Really be very encouraging for me to continue the podcast, the more Patreon supporters that I get. But other ways that you can support the show are sending me that feedback, you can send me an email at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can leave a voice message. You can do it on Voxer. You can send me your own MP3 file, or you can do it through SpeakPipe, which you can get to at daniellebean.com and click that leave voice feedback tab. You can also leave me a review on iTunes. I love you when you do that. It really helps to promote the show. It helps um, the iTunes ranking of the show. The more people that subscribe, that's the other thing. If you enjoy listening to Girlfriends, make sure you're subscribed to Girlfriends so that you won't miss an episode, so that the episodes will automatically be added to your phone. That That's an important way that you can support what I do here. But also leaving those iTunes reviews, um, leaving them on Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to the show. If you could just leave me a review or a rating, just hit a number of stars. It's that easy. It's so encouraging and supportive, and it also helps me to get the word out. But then sharing on social media. Some of you have been sharing on Instagram, sharing on Twitter and Facebook, just sharing a link to the show if you enjoyed the topic, if you want to talk more about it, if you want to um, you know, share the content with your own girlfriends in your own real life, then that's an easy way that you can do that that really encourages and supports me. But it's not just about links and pledges. It's also about being a supportive community of prayer. I do pray for the people who listen to this podcast, and I especially pray for those who reach out to me. Some of you have reached out to me and really shared your hearts, and I consider that such a privilege that someone trusts me with their innermost thoughts and feelings and worries and concerns, and I don't always have the perfect advice to offer, but I do pray for you, and um, I, you know, I respond in in whatever way I'm able to, um, depending on what your personal situation is. But so many people are struggling. So many of us are looking for encouragement and support in whatever way we can find it. And I'm so grateful to those of you who've reached out and let me know that this podcast is a way that you're able to find a little bit of that encouragement and support in your life. So thank you for that. But also, thank you just for being here. Thank you for listening. You don't know how much your presence means to me. The fact that you show up week after week and listen to what I share here in the Girlfriends Podcast, it just means so much to me. It is so important to me. It's so encouraging to me. So I really value you just being here. Thank you for that. And now, until next time, I hope you'll enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.